Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. set us free to walk in the power and presence of His Spirit. Which means that if you think about the Christian life as walking, then it also means that as you put one foot of faith in front of the other, that you are going somewhere. Because when you're walking, you're going somewhere. Your steps of faith are taking you somewhere. In other words, walking by the Spirit means you're walking toward becoming more like Christ Himself. And that also means that you haven't arrived at where you want to be. We need to walk in the Spirit and being sanctified in the Spirit shows us that we still have a long way to go. Your fight and struggle with sin, even this week, shows you that you have some way to go. But the path the Christian is on as he's walking by the Spirit is a path of war. We saw that from last week as well, that we are walking through a war zone. There's this war going on inside of us where the desires of our flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. Which again, if it's so helpful for us to, to understand, because then we realize that we can't go through a day without fighting in the Spirit. As we're walking in the Spirit. And it's... Only true of believers who are fighting because unbelievers don't have the Spirit of God in their lives. So they don't understand this kind of fight that we are engaged with every single day. But what this means for the believer is that he or she is not walking alone. You're not walking through the war zone of life alone. You're not walking through the war zone of life in your own strength, but with the power that comes from the mighty, sufficient Spirit of God. But then if you think about the fact that if we are commanded to walk, and we are walking through this war zone, then we need to know in what direction we must go. We need to walk in the right direction as we walk through the war zone of life, which means we need someone to show us the way. We need someone to pull us in the right direction. We need some leadership and guidance. And that is exactly what Paul says the Holy Spirit does. So read with me now again from Galatians 5, and we'll read from verse 16 to 18. Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, one of the foundational aspects of the Christian life, 
that we see from the Bible and that we believe is that God has a plan for our lives. I'm sure you would all agree with that. God has a plan for your life. He has created you for a purpose and He has a plan for your life. He has formed that plan from the ages, as Ephesians 3.11 says. Where His people will walk in His likeness and follow His guidance so that we can bring Him glory. If you look at what God did in the Old Testament, you see that He's always been leading His people according to His plan. We see how Israel was in slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. And so what does God do? He leads them. He led them out of Egypt. And He guided them through the Red Sea and through the wilderness. In fact, what we see from this remarkable exodus is that God supernaturally led His people by day and by night. You know the story. During the day, there was this pillar of cloud in the sky. And at night, there was this pillar of fire that would show God's people in what direction they should be going. In fact, the prophet Isaiah then looks back at this event and he writes in Isaiah 63:11. He says, Then he remembered the days of old. Talking about the Exodus. And the people in the wilderness. He says, Of Moses and his people. Where he has brought them, where is he who brought them up out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit? Who caused his glorious arm to go to the, at the right hand of Moses? Who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name? Who led them through the depths? In other words, Isaiah is saying that the Holy Spirit was powerfully made, powerfully made a way for God's people, and he also powerfully led Israel through that way. So that it can be clear that who is the one that's doing the leading. The prophet Nehemiah then also makes it clear that God's Spirit not only led his people out of slavery, but he remained with them and provided them and provided for them even when they were unfaithful. Nehemiah 9 verse 19. You in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them, and did not withhold your manna from their mouth, and gave them water for their thirst. See, that's the same truth that then the psalmist picks up on and he reflects on and how God was leading his people. And then he writes the psalmist in Psalm 143 verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. And all of this shows us that God has a plan with the nation of Israel. God has a plan with His Son, Jesus Christ. God has a plan with His servant, Paul. God has a plan with you. But the question is, will you listen to His guidance and will you submit to His leadership? Will you listen to His guidance and will you submit to His leadership? Now often when companies in the business world are doing some assessments on people during the interview process, they are trying to find out if you are a leader or you're a follower. 
Some companies are looking for natural leaders and others for natural followers. And what Paul is saying basically here is that all Christians, all Christians are followers because all Christians are led by the Holy Spirit. But our problem is that we don't always understand what that means. In other words, the problem isn't with God's leadership, it's with our receptiveness and the response to His leadership. So that's why I want to look at Galatians 5.18 and consider what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. And to do that, I want us to first consider that those led by the Spirit are led in their daily desires. Those led by the Spirit are led in their daily desires. See, sometimes it's easier to understand a certain passage by looking at what it does not mean. It's easy to look at a verse like this and think that being led by the Spirit outside of the context of Galatians, that when people hear this phrase, led by the Spirit, they think it means that the Holy Spirit is like this divine GPS which tells every, us every moment of every day what to do and where to go. That there's this, some kind of super spiritual level of living where people are constantly told what to do by this inner voice of the Holy Spirit. J.I. Packer gives an example of this when he talks about a lady who each morning, and now I quote from, from his book, Knowing God. He says, Having consecrated the day to the Lord, as soon as she woke, she would ask him whether she was to get up or not, and would not stir until the voice told her to dress. I think some of us would just never get out of bed. As she put on each article of clothing, she asked the Lord whether she was to put it on. And very often the Lord would tell her to put on the right shoe and leave off the other. Packer says this lady is an example of someone that makes the mistake of not understanding the guidance of God. In other words, in Galatians 5.18, when God is talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit, He's not primarily talking about God telling you what car you should buy when you stand about in front of the thousand options that we buy cars. He's not primarily talking about who you should marry. He's not primarily talking about all your daily decisions. But is God suddenly at work in all the details of your life. Yes, He is. But if we consider the context of Galatians here, then we will see that when we are being led by the Holy Spirit, it's not so much about our daily decisions as it is about our daily desires. It's not so much about our daily decisions as it is about our daily desires. God leads us in our daily desires. Because verse 17 helps us to see the context. What we looked at last time. We see in verse 17 that we have desires from the flesh. And we also see that there are desires from the Spirit. And these desires make us conflicting people. Because we have the flesh, our old sinful fallen nature, that is no longer Lord of our lives, but it still wants to be. It wants to be in charge. And these fallen desires are in opposition to the desires of the Spirit. And so to be led by the Spirit is to be someone that is led by the Spirit's desires that God has put inside of us. 
And when we follow them, it becomes visible to the world around us. What are those desires? Well, he's going to talk about them in verse 22. When he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit comes from following the leadership of the Spirit. To love others. To have joy in difficult times. To have peace and be a peacemaker. To have patience when we want to lose it because our kids have done the same wrong thing for the hundredth time. In other words, the Spirit's presence and leadership gives us as Christians the direction and the power to conquer the desires of the flesh. See, when the flesh wants to take you away from being like Jesus, the Spirit leads you to becoming more like Jesus. But look at what Paul does here. He says, he gives a conditional clause here at the beginning of verse 18 when he says, if, but if, if you follow God's leadership and guidance, then you will not be walking in the flesh, but you will be walking in the Spirit. See, the word led is also used by Paul when he's talking to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 2, he says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. In 2 Timothy 3.6, he says, Weak women are led astray by false teachers who appeal to their passions. For among them are those who creep into the household and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. But just as you can be led by idols and various passions, the Holy Spirit is the agent who is leading people to follow the desires of God rather than the desires of the flesh. You see, people can structure their whole lives around a certain idol. They can have their whole being determined by a certain false god. However, for the Christian, if you are continually being influenced and directed by the Spirit, then you are on the path of eternal glory. See, but one of the things we see here in Galatians is that Paul is talking in the, the passive voice. When you dig a little bit behind the scenes here into the, the original language, you see he's talking in the passive sense, the passive voice, when he talks about if you are led by the Spirit. And what does that mean? Well, that means where the command to walk in the Spirit is in the active voice, being led by the Spirit is in the passive voice. Which means it's like saying you're being brought along, you are being carried along. In other words, it's not something you do as much as it's something the Spirit does. It's like when you watch the Formula 1 racing. Maybe some of you have never watched a Formula 1 race. If you watch Formula 1 racing, when there's an accident on the track, the safety car comes out and all the race cars must drive behind the safety car. While they're getting the, the accident cleared up to avoid anyone else from getting injured. Now all the cars are following the safety car. And they're following it with their own engines and their own power, their own strength, you could say. The safety car is just leading them around the track. But with the passive voice here, what Paul is saying, it's more like we are hooked up to the safety car or the Holy Spirit, and the safety car is pulling you forward. It's pulling you and leading you somewhere. And what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit is pulling and leading the believer to follow the desires of God. 
the desires of God which stand against the desires of the flesh. And so think about it. When you are confronted with a desire, maybe you even had this morning, to stay home and not come to church. You can have the desire to go to church because God has given that desire to you. It's just that you're so tired. You've had a busy week. You think about all these other commitments you have, but it's the Holy Spirit who leads His people into the godly desire to want to go to church, and it gives them the power to obey God's command, to worship Him together as His people. So our prayer in a moment like that is not that the Spirit would lead us to want to go to church, because as believers, you already have that desire. God has already given us that new desire. We need to pray that God will help us to obey that desire. And follow his leading. See, Paul explained it like this in Romans 8 verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. See, one of the best ways we oppose the desires of the flesh is to starve it. Because if you keep feeding it, you know, even if it's only now and again, then it's always going to want to grow and want more. If you're going to put yourself into a situation where you will be tempted to sin, then guess what? Most likely you will sin. But if you remove those temptations from your life, then you're busy putting to death the deeds of the body. You are busy starving it so that it will die. Because as a believer who is not actively involved in resisting evil and rather seeking to do good, is not someone that is being led by the Spirit. And so the point is, even though the Spirit is always leading, we are to be like good soldiers of Christ who are engaged in active service. To follow and obey His guidance in our lives. And even though He leads, we are still commanded to walk and to follow. Which then means because we are led by the Holy Spirit, He is constantly leading us into holiness. The Holy Spirit is constantly leading us into holiness. God leads us to put to death the deeds that come from the flesh. Because it is the Spirit that initiates this warfare and empowers us in that warfare. Because having the desire to fight against your flesh is part of what it means to be led by the Spirit. When you're engaging with the battle of these desires tomorrow morning or even this evening, you're being led by the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is leading us into holiness. <coughs> I think I need some water. <coughs> the Spirit is leading us into holiness, and He's leading us into holiness through His Holy Word. He leads us into holiness through His Holy Word. 
J.R. Packer writes again, A basic mistake is to think of guidance as essentially this inward promptings of the Holy Spirit apart from the Word of God. Apart from the Word of God. Thank you. Thinking that the Spirit leads us through this internal voice, and it sounds appealing to us as Christians because it seems like we're going to be so close to God. But then Packer goes on to say, it seems to promote this presence of the Spirit and deep intimacy with God, but this idea of super-spirituality does not lead us into holiness, but leads us into foolishness. And so if you're wondering, how does, it, how does God lead us practically, then you must recognize that not only does God have a plan for your life, but He communicates that plan to us through His Word. In other words, the Holy Spirit leads us into holiness through God's holy word. Because God said to David, Psalm 32 verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That's why in Psalm 119 verse 1, the psalmist says, Blessed are those whose ways is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And what this shows us is that those who are led by the Spirit love the Word of God. This is service, guys. Look at this. Hey? Thank you, Daniel. And so a question for you is, do you love the Word of God? Because it is through the Word of God that we come to know the will of God. And it's through the Word of God that we find the, the direction and the instructions we need to live holy lives. And because we have the indwelling instructor, John, 1 John 2.20 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have, have knowledge. And then in verse 27 he says, Because you have the Holy Spirit, but the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need that someone should teach you. In other words, you don't have someone that... You, you know the basics of the gospel. But as His anointing teaches you about everything, and it is true... And is no lie, just as it is taught to you, abide in Him. Abide in Him. In other words, the Spirit of truth leads you into the truth, and He leads you in applying the truth, because He is at work in your life. When you want to get married as a believer, God gives you guidance that you are to marry another believer. Why? Because He has already said that in His Word. You don't need some extra word from God to tell you you need to marry a believer. The guidance to find a future spouse is there if you plant yourself in the truth of God's word. But God also leads you into having holy desires for a godly spouse. And if we yield to them, they help us fight against the desires of the flesh of wanting to get married so badly that you would even consider marrying an unbeliever. And so Paul is saying to the church in Galatia, the practical Christian living means we walk by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit to do the will of God. And so we have the guidance we need because we have God's Word and we have His Spirit that is constantly leading us into the right godly, holy desires. And the way we honor the, the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives is to honor the Word of God in your life. 
Because you can't produce those godly desires on your own. Which is kind of what Paul's getting at in the second half of verse 18. Which means if you're led by the Spirit, you're not stuck under the law. Number two, those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. See, Paul has been talking about flesh and the Spirit. So why does he bring up the issue of the law again? You would kind of expect him to say, you are not under the flesh. But for Paul, that's the kind of the same thing. If you are living under the law, like the Judaizers were saying, the Galatians should do, it's the same as living by the flesh. Now we've seen already throughout Galatians that the flesh is powerless to fulfill the law. And so Paul is making the argument again that because of Jesus Christ, we are living in a different age. Those who are led by the Spirit do not belong to the old age of redemptive history where the law was reigning. Because if you're under the law, Paul has argued back in Galatians 3 that you're under a curse. You are under sin, under guardians and managers, enslaved under the elements of the world, and in desperate need of redemption. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are yielding to the desires of the Spirit, which means you are not someone that is defeated and hopeless. You are not someone that is in bondage to your own efforts with no potential to grow or to change. As one commentator explains, he says, The leading of the Spirit is that constant, effective, and beneficent influence which the Holy Spirit exercises within the hearts of God's children, whereby they are being directed and enabled more and more to crush the power of indwelling sin and to walk in the way of God's commandments freely and cheerfully. It is more than simply being guided, he says. It means that he becomes a controlling influence in the believer's life. And so what Paul's saying to the Galatians is like, why? Why, church, if you are under the powerful influence and direction of God's Spirit, would you want to put yourself under the law again? Because through what Jesus has done on the cross, God leads us into having daily Godly desires. Desires that hinder the flesh from accomplishing its plans. And God's Spirit is now constantly leading us into desires of holiness. But not only holiness, Paul says, into freedom. Freedom from the law and trying to live the Christian life in your own strength. And that's the kind of truth that repeatedly made Paul jump for joy. Romans 8, 3-4, he says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. God has set us free from the power of and dominion of the flesh, that we can walk like Jesus walked, being guided by the leadership of His Holy Spirit and submitting to His Holy Spirit's leading. 
Because if your idea of sanctification means you're making this list of rules to follow, and you want to tick them one by one, then you need to realize that God does not promise to give you the strength to obey them if you're relying on yourself to keep all the rules. If you're walking in the flesh, you don't have the Spirit's power to do what God wants you to do. That's why Charles Spurgeon says, the Spirit never brings the soul into bondage. The terror and the fears that come from legal slavery are not the work of the Spirit of God. Where He works, holiness is the light. And the service of God is continual joy. Oh, that we may be thus led by the Spirit, he says. The law is ever to you the blessed rule by which you judge or your conduct, but it is not the law of condemnation to you, neither are you seeking salvation by it. See, the person who's trying to live the Christian life and become more like Jesus by going under the law is not going to become more like Jesus. This person is going to become like a Pharisee. Because they're not being led by the Spirit. They're being led by their own opinions and their false influence of others. Rather, Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit and those who listen to God's voice through His Word and who submit to His leadership and obey what He wants with a heart that longs after what He says is someone that's being led by the Spirit. Which means if you want to avoid the curse of the law in your life and miss the kingdom of God, which is what Paul is going to talk about next in verses 19 to 21. Then you must follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. You must submit to God's leadership in every area of your life. Because it's our responsibility to follow God where He leads. But you have to recognize that it can even mean that He might lead you where you do not want to go. We see from Luke 4 that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for a time of testing. And it might be that the Spirit is leading you into a place where your faith is now being tested through suffering. But like with Israel, God does not lead us into the wilderness of life and leave us on our own. He doesn't lead us into trials and expect us to get through it on our own. Like Jesus in the wilderness, we are dependent on the Word of God to provide the strength, the manna, the guidance to persevere through our trials. Jesus was led into the wilderness to prepare Him for His earthly ministry, which led Him where? It led Him to the cross. Perhaps God is leading you now daily to deny yourself and pick up your cross. The Spirit led him to a time of suffering, sustained him through that time of suffering. It prepared him to die so that we can live by the Spirit. And God is calling us to have that same kind of mindset. First Peter 4 verse 1. First Peter 4 verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the same flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. 
Since Jesus suffered for us, we can know that we will suffer in this life as well. But as we do, we are called to live according to the will of God. We are called to follow God's will for our lives. But then Peter says a few verses later, 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Beloved, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This is the last phrase that I've been enjoying this week as I've been thinking about it. God is saying that even though, even in our times of suffering, even when we are led into a time where our faith is being tested, when we follow God in obedience, who is it that is resting upon you in that time? The Spirit of glory. The Spirit of glory. It is the Spirit of glory that, that came upon Stephen when he obeyed God to declare the truth as, and as a result was being stoned to death. It was the Spirit of glory that revealed to him the, the glories of heaven. The place that he was walking towards in faith. It was the Spirit of glory that revealed to him the bigger purpose of his life. And it's that same Spirit that is resting upon God's children that guides them into holy living, even in times of suffering, so that God can get the glory. And so God is the one that leads, and He expects you to follow. His Spirit leads our daily desires, and He leads us into choosing holiness. But as we close now, I want us to consider what are some of the ways that we hinder the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives? What are some of the ways we hinder the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives? Well, let me try to mention at least five. We hinder the guidance and the leading of the Spirit when we are not thinking. When we are not thinking. God made us as people who, who are to think. And He guides our minds and our thoughts as we think things out. In other words, He guides us as we wrestle with what we need to do next. That's why in the Bible it often talks about the need for us to renew our minds, Romans 12. And it's because God wants us to have the mind of Christ. As Jesus was dependent on the Spirit, we are also dependent on that same Spirit, not just to walk the way Jesus walked, but to think the way He thought. Philippians 4.8, we read this last week, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This kind of thinking leads to having peace. And so if you are not someone that is willing to think about truth, and let that truth guide you, then you are not being led by the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of Proverbs say in Proverbs 21.5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You see, a lack of thinking ahead leads to nothing. 
But those who think ahead under the guidance of God's Spirit and His Word, that leads to a fruitful life. Which then also means that we hinder the guidance and leading of the Spirit when we are not taking advice from other godly people. When we don't take advice from other godly people. Again, listen to God's wisdom from Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. How many people in the church ask others for godly advice before they make big decisions? There are always people who know us better than we do or can help us see things from a more biblical perspective. And God leads us through those kinds of conversations as well. But too often, too often, people just want to follow the desires of their heart more than they want to follow the wisdom of God. And it doesn't mean that you must follow exactly what these people are saying. But as part of the process in which God leads is by giving us one another, fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord, who are filled with the same Holy Spirit to help each other navigate the big decisions of life. So if you want to be led by the Spirit, then seek godly counsel before you make your big decisions. Which now brings us to the third way we hinder the guidance of God in our lives. When we are placing too much confidence in ourselves. When we are placing too much confidence in ourselves. People who are too confident in their own judgments will not be asking for advice, will they? But the reality is if we recognize that there is this constant struggle inside of us, this war inside of us where our judgments might get clouded, then we shouldn't put so much faith in ourselves, but rather in the Word of God. But we don't like to be realistic with ourselves. Our feelings and our emotions should not be mistaken for guidance. Let me say that again. Our feelings and emotions should not be mistaken for guidance. Too often people make decisions based on feelings and think that is God guiding them. We should rather ask ourselves, why do we feel that this path is the one we should take? And force yourself to give reasons. Biblical reasons. And once we have those reasons, take them to someone else to help discern if they make sense in light of what God has already said. That is where we go to God and say like the psalmist in Psalm 139 verse 23. Search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And so then another way we hinder God's guidance in our lives. Fourthly is when we are not willing to test what we think is best. If we are not willing to test what we think is best. First Thessalonians 5.21 Paul exhorts the church in Thessalonica to test everything. He says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. In other words, don't hinder the Spirit's leading in your life, but not listening to what God is saying. But there are a lot of people saying a lot of things. So you have to be discerning. You have to test it against the Word of God. 
Too often again, I've heard so many people say things like, God told me to tell you, you need to do this or that. And then people feel as if they, this is what God is doing and leading them. I think Paul is saying, be careful. The Spirit leads, but He leads us into the truth and not into man's own opinions. So we need to test what we hear against what God has already said in His Word. And then finally, another way we hinder God's guidance in our lives is when we are not willing to wait. If you're not willing to wait. So often the Bible calls us to wait on the Lord. We've talked about this so many times already. And that is because God is not in such a hurry as we are. People who are not willing to wait on the Lord and the guidance He provides through His Word, through wise counsel and through testing of what you have heard, will walk in the flesh and not in the Spirit. God has already given us so much light and truth in His Word that we can know what the priorities of our lives should be. And He guides us one step at a time. But as He calls on us to wait... To be patient for His will to become clearer in what it is that we need to do. And as it becomes clearer, when we seek Him through His Word, we will know what to do. And so if you're someone that's impatient, rushing into making decisions, and trusting in your own feelings, then you're not walking by the Spirit. You're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by your own desires. But we know that when you're in daily communion with God, when you're being led back to the cross of Jesus, the way forward becomes clearer. Because it's when we're at the cross, being led to the cross on a daily basis, we see that God not only takes away all of our sin, but He now leads us into a life of holiness, where what He wants the will for our lives is to reflect the holiness of Jesus. He leads us in our daily desires, giving us desires for Him. He leads us in His Spirit so that we can show the love of the cross because He's leading us in love to the cross as we try to navigate the challenges of life so that we can love other people. And so when we're talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, We are talking about being led into holiness. We're talking about being led into love. We're talking to be led into patience and kindness and goodness. And so we need to pray Psalm 25. We need to pray Psalm 25 verse 4 as we close because this is the heartbeat of what we're talking about. So let me pray for us and ask God to help us as we pray this, 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 this psalm back to him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for our time here this, this, this morning. It seems like another ordinary Sunday morning. But we come to worship an extraordinary God. The God that saves us. And the God that leads us. And we pray now the words of the psalmist that says, Make to make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day.
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.